Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. Morla Gorondona is an actor trained in theater and comedy improv. Her career ambitions changed, though, the instant she saw the game Bioshock, and she's been doing voiceover in games ever since. In fact, she was even in Bioshock 2. One quick announcement before we get going with Morla. Sam and I are hosting a Discord chat hangout at the end of the month on January 31st. We'll have full details regarding the times next week. Okay, so Morla is fantastic. Sam and I met her a couple years ago at GameSoundCon, where she was giving voiceover hopefuls some tips on getting into the business. In the time since, she's had big roles in big games like Bungie's Destiny and Call of Duty Black Ops 3. In addition to some of Morla's favorite music, you'll hear a bit of music from those two games, Destiny and Black Ops 3, along with some of her lines in them. In Destiny, her character's name is Eris Morn, and in Black Ops 3, she plays Aaron Battery Baker, the first playable female multiplayer character in the series. Talk to me about what you've been up to. What I hear you in the most often is Destiny, because after a hiatus from that, I've kind of returned to it, and uh, I just get a chuckle every time I walk by Eris. (laughs) (laughs) She says some stuff, huh? I was right all along. I wasn't mad. The narrative team over there at Bungie did such an amazing job, and every, every time I've recorded there, it feels like they get deeper and deeper into her psyche and have a... um. It's been fun recording her and uh, taking that journey. Um, yeah, Eris, Eris has been amazing and uh, also working on Call of Duty Black Ops 3 as Aaron Battery Baker, which was a wonderful experience and such a, a monumental uh, high point in my VO career as well. I didn't join up for this. Get your shit together. I'm working on a number of other projects. Some have been announced, some have not. I recently worked with Michael Surix, a fellow Game Audio Network Guild Voice Actor Coalition member, mm-hmm. and uh, worked with him on a an amazing game called Masquerada. I play Sable in that, and uh, the developer is based out of Singapore, and they... It's called Witching Hour Studio, and they have come up with a, a really, a really awesome, awesome game. Um, that was a Kickstarter. Yeah, they had a Kickstarter campaign and, and wildly successful with that. It happened super fast. They, they got their funding very, very quickly. And uh, it's gotten a lot of great attention, and, and it's, it's like the Kickstarter game that, that could Tell me a little bit about the game and your character in it. The character Sable is a, um, she's forced into a line of work that she would not otherwise have been doing if she hadn't been forced into it. The oldest profession in the world, they they say. I think that's what it's called. (laughs) And she's forced into this this, um, profession in order to save her daughter. She has to continue this line of work to to make sure that her daughter stays safe. The people who, who are forcing her also, they keep her daughter captive. Mm. And Matthew Mercer is the lead in the game, and, and he he kind of comes in and, and 
rescues Sable and and return. Well, I don't. I maybe I shouldn't. I shouldn't say. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away. Um, but uh, he helps her out. It's a. Uh, um, the game has a. Um, a massive amount of dialogue and some amazing actors in it. And the whole thing was done in an an ensemble recording, which is, it's such a rare treat to do that kind of recording. Um, Normally when I have to go into a session or when I'm called into a session, it's just me and the director and kind of guessing at what reactions would be. So Mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to play off of other actors and and get some additional information, which makes for a much more organic and and nuanced performance. Right. And I mean, usually it's just logistically kind of difficult to do that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's everyone's dream that it could be that way, but uh, right? I mean, because it does make such a difference, doesn't it? When you're working in just one-offs and shouts and you know, sure. that kind of thing. That, that, of course, that's makes sense to do that solo. But yeah, when you're having a conversation with someone, it's nice to actually have the conversation mm. instead of imagine what it would be. You know, sometimes a story takes on a whole new, different meaning. What Matthew is thinking about when I'm saying lines to him and vice versa, it's, you know, it's, can be vastly different from what we imagine. So it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to have mm-hmm. to have something more to play off of. Long ago, he fomented rebellion against the king and attempted to take his mantle. Alak Hul failed and now awaits the mercy of the hive. Tell me a little bit about getting to work on Black Ops 3. I feel so lucky to, to have been a part of that and to have this character this very strong female character who has backstory and an emotional life. Erin Battery Baker is, she's the youngest of a a whole family full of military elite. And her experiences and her story and and some sorrow is actually revealed in the game. Mm -hmm. And it's so wonderful that there's more, that there's, a whole new dynamic with all these specialists that they brought on board for Black Ops 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the characters, not just Battery, but all the characters have, all the specialist characters have some backstory. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's nice that I feel that I get to be on the multiplayer side, one of the the first female playable characters. And she's got... um range. She's dynamic. You know you're creeping us out, right? I want to ask you about, you know, how all of this started for you, because, you know, from what I understand, this has been a lifelong passion for you, acting and, and voices and characters and such. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting that thinking about it, it feels as though, obviously, voice acting should have been a thing that I've been working on. I've been playing with voice acting my whole life, but never giving it a um, center stage in my life until much later. Uh, yeah, I, I've been acting since I was in, gosh, second grade. <laughs> Did my first play when I was in second grade. I was I was Gretel in The Sound of Music. Nice. And, 
<laughs> and um, yeah, I did the whole acting thing in 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 high school. Was in the various clubs and you know theater clubs of that all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, even even when I was very young, I used to spend a lot of time mimicking voices that I would hear on TV or out in the wild, <laughs> making up unique sounds. And uh, at, at one point, I had a a recorder. And I would record my voice and leave a large space on the tape and then start talking and then leave a large space and then start talking all in one voice. And then I would go back and I would talk to that first voice in a completely different voice and just fill in the spots, fill in the space. And then I would go back and fill in more spots in a third voice and then a fourth voice. And then a fifth, and as many different voices wow. as I possibly could in the whatever spot space that I had allotted for you know myself there. And um, do you still have any of that? Oh, I wish. I know. I wish. <laughs> I I think probably in high school I recorded over it. Sure. Like, recording like oh, like oh, I need this for to record Bjork off the. Off the <laughs> radio. Well, I am um, definitely not going to insult you for recording Bjork over it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting too because she's one of my. I think about uh, people and vocal gymnastics and who I bow to vocally. Bjork being one of them. I'm so impatient. I can't stand the way. Mike Patton from Faith No More being another. And Ella Fitzgerald being my third. They're like my three pillars of vocal awesomeness and what they do and how brave and, and fearless they are and their approach to, to the voice and their range and how dynamic they are. Autumn in New York That brings the promise of cover a broad spectrum of style as well. Whenever I feel that something is impossible, I listen to any one of them and I realize that nothing is impossible vocally. <laughs> Everything is possible vocally. But yeah, just I have to carry on to talk a little bit more about how I got started in VO for games. Yeah, I well, I want you to hold that mm-hmm. thought for a half a second. Sure. I, I'm, forgive me for the interruption, but I find it interesting that you gain inspiration from singers. Mm. Uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I, where does that come from? Hmm. I access. I guess I feel it's a combination of music and voice. It's really quick access to an emotional connection. Um, and also, there's so much going on. I don't have to overthink it, too. It's just yeah. it's it's available. 
I could start singing a song and then I find my voice is doing interesting things without mm. overthinking it. And then once I've kind of stretched the limit of what I can do, then speaking it seems a little bit easier, actually, for me. My degree is in theater. I have a, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater performance. But my secondary focus was voice diction. And I enjoyed those classes just as much, maybe even sometimes even more than my acting classes. Now, diction is where, they, where you learn how to speak in other languages correctly, right? More or less? Is that I, kind of... It, Specifically just about enunciation and okay. uh, also projection. and I see. But okay. dialects as well. Dialects definitely come into play there. Learning the phonetic alphabet. Yep. And also things like economy of breath and where to place the breath and posture. All of those things come into play. Wow. And yeah. all the mechanics of, of how to create a deep, resonant, emotional, strong voice, all those, all those things are, are fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. And um, how there's an emotional connection to the voice placed in different parts, so like a lower register versus a middle register versus like a high register, and how they feel when they're placed in the voice and what the emotional connection is to each one of them. I find that interesting. I find that fascinating. And also understanding where we hold tension, how an actor or anyone can, understanding where we hold tension so, so as to release it, but also to play with that to get a different effect. So like holding tension in the tongue is not great if you don't know that you're doing it, but being able to do it on purpose to create a different type of voice is, is interesting. One of the things that I love to do also is I have been, on occasion, I, I do workshops for groups mm -hmm. that have to either do public speaking or do video recording, online content, that kind of thing. And I remember one time I was talking to someone and she had a tension somewhere in her mechanism. And what I tend to do is I listen to the person talk and then I recreate that same tension in my own voice so I can identify it. Oh, and wow. then yeah. what I noticed in her was that she was kind of holding it like somewhere in the back of her throat as though she were, there was like, a, um, she was stopping. She was trying to stop something from coming forward. Mm. And I said to her, I said, You're, I pointed on myself where I could sense the tension. And I said, are you holding something back? And then she just looked at me and she said, my whole life I've had a fear that I'm going to, at any moment, just throw up. So... <laughs> I am constantly holding back that sensation of, of, of 
that's my fear is that that's going to happen. So I'm I'm always holding it back. And I'm like, oh, interesting, interesting. Wow. I am not any kind of psychologist or anything of that. But there was, uh, it was interesting how profoundly interconnected they are. The most I could do in <laughs> for her was just to tell her that, you know, the the probability of that is very small and that yeah. is to relax and give her some relaxation tips and mm-hmm. uh, things that she could do to kind of relax that part of her mechanism. And she wasn't even aware of that that was causing her, wow. that was affecting her voice. Yeah, It is interesting how it's all connected. It's a huge world inside our tiny little, like I say, I keep saying the word mechanism. It seems to be very yeah. appropriate. It's uh, so, many, so much um, open space and these like all these, it's like almost like exploring caves, like the, the sinus cavities and all the, like, what is the sound if I focus specifically on my teeth? What is that vocal sound? What is, how does that, how does that affect my voice if I focus just on this one specific part of my mechanism? How does it change it? And it changes it drastically. Or if I alter this one thought, then how does it change right. what the output is? So you grew up in New Orleans? Correct. How 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 do you not sound like you're from New Orleans? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Well, sometimes I do. If I'm there long enough, I will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it seeps back in. My mom raised my sister and I not to have accents. She mm was aware that for as lovely as accents are and how that they're not bad, but they also, gone unchecked, they can limit a person. Mm -hmm. So I I remember she would tell my sister and I, we would would say something like, Mom, can we have eggs for breakfast? And she's like, it's eggs. Eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, I hurt my leg. And she's like, it's leg. (laughs) So for a little while, I remember my sister and I, we over enunciated, Mother, I would like eggs for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so as to counteract this kind of yat accent that mm-hmm. we were all exposed to. <laughs> but yeah, when I'm there, for sure, I, I start to pick it up. Going down to Gerard Street, how's your mom and them? That kind of thing. It starts to seep back in. Hilarious. But it was interesting that she pointed it out because I may have never even realized, you know, it's, accents people people have really thick accents and they're like i don't have an accent Mm -hmm. so just pointing out the fact that there's a difference made me more aware of the fact that accents exist Mm -hmm. it sharpened my ear to them well since we're on the topic what are some of your favorite ones to do oh some of my favorite accents yeah Uh, i i love i love doing an irish accent and i have all these i have all these like uh kind of catchphrases that I use to get me into the accent, like kind of like trigger, trigger sentences. Sure, sure. So <laughs> like what? The, for Irish, there's a line from Dancing at Lunasa, uh, which is, ah, Bernie with the longest eyelashes I ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another one is uh, a friend of mine used to always say, potatoes are great. <laughs> Potatoes are great. Barney with the longest eyelashes I ever saw. Oh, that's and, just such uh, a lovely lilt to that. It's just, <laughs> yeah. And um, the Russian accent, my trigger line for that is You are nothing but this simple, poor little bull men. 
<laughs> a, a poor little bold, bold men. <laughs> and then there's the Midwestern, which we always I always think of the mom from Bobby's World. <laughs> Do you remember that cartoon? Yeah. Oh, Bobby, don't you know? But oh, oh, Bobby. Oh, what you doing there? Now, of course, that's like a, a caricature, but then you like get there yeah. to the voice, and then you can adjust it subtly. Yeah, um, those are my people. <laughs> Sometimes Sam will be like, you got to re-record that word. That was way too Minnesota. You got to re-record uh, that word. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, what I, I, I know Sam. What did I sound like? I don't, okay. <laughs> Everywhere. Uh, you just go next door and knock on it and put him on mic. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things, though, is uh, Southern accents. So I remember when I was filling out a form, somebody was asking me to fill out a form about accents and talk about my specialties, my where, what my special accents were that I like to do. Mm-hmm. And they said, if you're going to say British, say which neighborhoods and which specific neighborhoods in England that you can do. Like, wow, that's really specific, and I, and I admire that. Mm-hmm. But then they said, and then also if you can do Southern. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> you want to know, know specific neighborhoods of England, but Southern is so broad. I mean, Southern, Southern accents are so, there are so many different types of Southern yes. accents. So that's kind of my mission in life is to bring awareness to the various dialects of Southern accents. And which <laughs> dialect of the Southern accent is your favorite just in general, whether or not it's your favorite to speak? I mean. Oh, well. Um, I love that Yat is a Southern accent that nobody's ever heard of. And that's, the, that's, that's, a, that's a Southern accent. And that Cajun wow. is a Southern accent that most people don't even consider to be a Southern accent. But it oh, absolutely is. Yeah, South Carolina is different from Georgia. And Atlanta is different from different parts of Georgia. And, mm-hmm. and then there's caricatures as well, which there may not be currently accurate anymore <laughs> but they're still worth mentioning like yeah. uh, like hillbilly <laughs> yes <laughs> and <yeah>. plantation southern <laughs> i mean those okay mm-hmm. but we know there that's a sound that we can reference yes um, so like a hillbilly might sound like this um but a plantation <laughs> southern it might sound like this and though there are <laughs> You know, people not living on plantations and, and hillbilly is not something that anybody would ever want to be called. There's still points of reference that we can point to that that are specific within a general southern dialect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do want to know how you got into games. Where <laughs> 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 I really do. <laughs> well, um, yeah, after pursuing theater and and also living in New York and doing a lot of improv comedy I kept getting hired for voiceover <laughs> often in in commercials once I was up for bringing it back to Bjork I was up for the voice of Bjork for some MTV program so um, I was constantly doing getting called in for vo- vocal auditions and even when I was doing theater uh that's off off Broadway play that I did. I never appeared on stage. I was in the back doing voices, and so wow. I was like, well, uh, you know, 
Everything changed for me when I saw Bioshock. And I realized that where games had come since I had played them on my NES, playing Bubble Bobble and Dr. Mario (laughs) and Faxanadu, how far they had come was first that alone was mind-blowing. And then also realizing that they're... The voices and the the narrative was so complex, so moving. I immediately decided that that's what I wanted to do. It just changed my life. And I even said at one point, I said, if they ever make a a sequel to this game, I want to be in that game. And so I just focused all my energy into being in games and whatever, at whatever, whatever cost. I didn't know how to do it. And... I joined the Game Audio Network Guild, which was enormously helpful in in getting to know people who are already in the industry, Mm -hmm. people who were established, but also meeting people who were just coming up in games as myself, some of who were in other types of entertainment and transitioning into games for the first (sighs) time themselves. And then I started going to conferences, going to GDC and GameSoundCon, AES, PAX, and just constantly meeting more people and sharing a love of games. Did you ever look back? I mean, are you... Are, no. You, <laughs> no. No, I, I love theater. I think theater is incredibly valuable. But it's not where I am anymore. Yeah. Uh, for me, games is, is everything that I love about theater. It's everything that I love about theater. And... None of the things that I struggled with with theater. Such Um, as? Strong personalities and having to be political with them over long periods of time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, carving out time for a very long rehearsal process. I like rehearsal process. I think that that's, that's one of the things when starting to work in games is letting go of that rehearsal process and realizing how heavily I relied on that for character development. Interesting. There were a lot of actors who would do a lot of work ahead of time and read their scripts and have a very clear understanding of their character when they would go to their very first rehearsal. I always used rehearsal as a discovery process. Like I would learn who the character is or was by interacting with the other actors. There is none of that in games. If you don't know, by the time you get there, then you need to use those improv skills. And that, that actually, I wound up in games, I rely more heavily on my improv background. Interesting. Uh, just coming yeah. up with things super fast, like the whole idea. It's actually, it's a combination of so many of the things that I've studied. It's, it's, it's of course, it's voice diction, it's improv, and parts of acting where it's like make really, really big, bold decisions and there's also a whole lot of combat. Like I studied stage combat and that comes into play as well. I bet. And, and it comes into play in performance capture, but mm-hmm. it still, it actually comes into play even in sessions that are isolated by myself mm-hmm. when I'm doing efforts. You know, like, okay, you're getting socked in the stomach. So I, I know physically without ever actually myself being hit in the stomach <laughs> From taking stage combat, like I know all the muscles that recoil and the physicality that lies behind getting punched in the stomach. So I can reenact that to create the sound. 
mm-hmm. or to help inform the sound. And same with throwing a punch or, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. And I love efforts. I love doing efforts. I love all the various different ways that you can die in a video game. I find that endlessly entertaining. For someone, you know, like me, who's so just completely clueless, really, about... Um, especially the performance capture side of it. So can you kind of explain how that works? The performance capture that I've done, they've just recorded the voice at the the same time as well. I think that there is, I think there are sometimes they do both, go in the booth and then you also do the performance capture. But the performance capture that I've done has been all at the same time. And it's great. You get into the suit and you get green dots painted on your face and it's... (laughs) Then it's like, well, I'm so glad that I have a theater background because it games is moving actually more back to theater with performance capture. Yes. And it was interesting. It actually took for me, it took a minute to get back into that. I had practiced so long and studied so long on how to be still, how to have (sighs) energy and life in my body while delivering a line and still remaining more (laughs) or less still. Yeah. And now stepping back into the world where it's like, oh, I have to move and talk again, move and talk again, like getting back, putting the oil on that hinge. Sometimes is it difficult to not laugh when you're, you know, because I mean, some of the things Eris says are, are very silly. And I mean, it's a, it, it, even because she's just so serious and messed up. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. and they even poke fun at her. So that's why I feel comfortable saying that, because yeah. even Commander Zavala kind of teases her. What the hell was that? Fingertips on the surface of my mind. Yes. Thank you for your input, Eris. You know, it's like, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, sometimes is that a challenge or, or is it, are you just able to just shut that out and just deliver these, these ridiculous lines with, without chuckling? I'm able to get through the lines, yeah. yeah. I take it... When I get into the character of Eris, it sits, I know, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I don't bat an eye at anything that comes my way, dialogue-wise, mm-hmm. while I'm delivering the lines. I'm just of the mindset, of course, whatever the line is, is completely normal for her to say. Well, and, and she is just, so serious. Right, and that's yeah, yeah. part of it. It's very serious, but also incredibly mad. Yeah. madness and so I get through the line and then I will stop and then I will <laughs> look up into the booth and be like are you kidding me and just start <laughs> laughing hysterically and out of complete reverence like this is such a beautifully crafted ridiculous line I love yes. it especially yes. the lines the ones that always come to mind are the ones from the festival of the lost these incredibly deadpan lines like are you wearing a mask? I can't tell. I'm blind. <laughs> and I just struck a, a, a funny chord with me. We all get a good kick out of that. We laugh really well. It's so, but it's so gratifying. It's, it's like, it's almost reverence and awesomeness and gratification. Like that was so right on. It was so, it just, it's joy. It's just joy in the darkness and the seriousness and the absurdity of it. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love it. 
The light is a lure in the dark. Make sure your teeth are sharp. Yeah, there are a lot of games that are still under NDA that will be released soon. So I'll be happy to talk about those when when I can. And then there are other games that are on hold because we're in the middle of a strike. So let's hope that that gets resolved really quickly, that everyone is happy and we can all get back to work again. It's been so amazing to talk with you. Oh, thank you. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to episode 56 of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Morla Gorondona on her website, morlagorondona.com, and we'll have a link to that on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash level. Mark down that Discord chat for January 31st with Sam and me. We'll be doing one around the noon hour in Central Standard Time and one in the evening for Central Standard Time. So hopefully one of those will work out for you, and we look forward to catching up with everyone. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer, and he's been so sick lately. No. (laughs) Say hi, Sam. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media. Learn more at june-media.com, and June is spelled J-O-O-N.